Psalms 37 is our text, verse 1 through 4. And I started this last week, and uh, I called it, uh, the, the fight is on. Now, today I'm going right back here, the firing line. Now, one thing you're going to find out, uh, and also, by the way, you can put your finger in Ephesians chapter 4, because I'll be going to there, Lord willing, sometime in this message. But uh, I really didn't start a breakdown of Psalms 37. And I can probably pretty well tell you that that's not going to happen this morning. But it's going to form a foundation for some sermons that I want to preach from there. And so I really think that it really is a foundation for the sermon from last week and the sermon for this week. But uh, I've titled it again, Keep on the Firing Line. So we read in Psalm 37, beginning with verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. You know, a lot of times I'll see, I'll see churches that go other directions. I'll see uh, men of God that uh, were once true to the Word and got, go other directions, and they mislead a lot of other people. They lead them in those wrong directions. But their day's going to come when they're going to be cut down unless they have a revival in their own heart. Verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Good is whatever the Bible tells you is good to do. So trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and barely thou shalt be fed. Now this... Last verse I'm going to read today from Psalm 37. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. But understand, delighting yourself in the Lord, how can you delight yourself in someone you don't know? First, you've got to know him as your Lord and Savior. But secondly, even as being your Savior, you need to get to know his person. I mean, you should know more about Jesus Christ. You should know more about God the Father. You should know more about God than when you got saved. You may know him as Savior, but you need to know his person so much more. I've used the, I've used the illustration of marriage so often, but a couple gets married, they thought they really knew each other. In about six months, they realize they didn't really know this about that person. They didn't really know that person. And yet, there can be a love and a growing knowledge of the person to the point that you know what is pleasing to that person, but also what is good for you with that person. So as you grow to know the Lord by reading His Word, meditating on it, and praying on it, then you'll get to know the very person of the Lord so much more that you can delight yourself in the Lord, and then your desires will be formed by knowing Him 
and wanting to please him, and the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Now, your effort, and listen, our Lord is well worth the effort, is to get to know him in his word. Every time you open that word, every time you pray, ask the Lord to teach you what it means and to show you more, more about himself. And then grow in the grace and knowledge as we are instructed to, in the Word of God, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, as we look into this to keep on the firing line, Lord, I've been around long enough now, Lord, to see churches, individuals who for a time we're on fire for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But now that fire is quenched. They've allowed the, they've allowed the culture to redefine sin. And as a result, they had turned to the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. and lead many others astray. So Father, I pray, I pray that those people that have not gone that way, people that might be starting to slip, will get back on the firing line and stand for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask this in that name above every name, Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Now, last week, when I preached that sermon titled, The Fight is On, and, and, and we talked about the idea from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 through 7, where it says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. Why? Because he doesn't have any pleasure in fools. And as I told you then, for me to call you a fool is not right, because the Bible tells me not to call any man a fool. But if God calls you a fool, you're a fool. And he says, if you make a promise unto God, and then you go back on it, and you're not going to keep it, then you're a fool. You're one of those that says, well, it was an error. I got caught up in the emotion of the moment. He says, he says that makes God angry at your voice. Now, that'd be kind of a fool anyway to get God angry at your voice. And so, really, when you think about this, those decisions, sometimes that decision was made in a revival meeting. You went forward and you prayed, and, and by that going forward, you said, okay, I'm going to uh, quit some sin, or I'm going to start being a witness. I'm going to do that, I'm that or whatever it has to deal with. And you made that promise to God in that revival. Maybe it was at home in your own personal devotions. And the Lord showed you something. Oh, man, alive. I need to take care of that. And you say, oh, Lord, I, I'm so sorry. I'll get on that. I'll do it. And then you've abandoned that decision. Maybe it was something that you heard on the radio program, like on WTYG, and, and you've heard one of those radio preachers, some of those from the past, and God spoke to your heart through them. Think on the decisions that you've made over time. Some of those sins. Maybe it was a sin to quit. 
Maybe it was a commitment to do what you believe that God had called you to do. And now it's time to make it right with God. Make it right. Don't go back on it. Uh, one thing I have found is that uh, God's moving in our heart to do something. God's moving in our heart to respond to Him, to make a change in our life. That change, that, that commitment is not just for a moment. Or Well, we'll get by for this week. Everybody's doing it. I might as well do it too. No. Those are life decisions as a Christian. Life decisions as a Christian. And so sometimes it's those things. Uh, maybe the Lord wants you involved in a ministry. Uh, maybe uh, a witnessing or something of that nature. Uh, there have been people who said, okay, I am going to go forward. I'm going to dedicate my life to preach, uh, to witness the gospel, to give a witness to a lost soul to at least one person every week. Some said, well, I'm going to give a track out every day. I'm going to try to give at least one person a track every day. And so we get on to these things. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Where are you on that? God didn't call you to quit. God calls you to keep on the firing line. Keep on the firing line. Well, you don't understand some of the things that happened since then. No, I don't. I don't have to. But God understands. He knows. You didn't make a decision vow to him that he wanted you to make, and then all of a sudden you abandon it. He didn't want you to abandon it. He'll be there for you. He'll be your strength. He'll be your power. That's why daily, daily, daily call upon the Lord. He's your help. He's your Savior. He's your Lord. Daily call upon the Lord. You were under conviction about it once. Did God change his mind? You see, our Lord is not contemporary. He doesn't change for the culture. And so don't think, well, the culture has power over the word of God. It doesn't. It doesn't. And so many promises that people make it get you to a point you wonder, they're going to keep breaking their promises. Who can trust them? They give you your word, and yet you realize, well, they've already broken the word of God. Why do I think that they would keep their word to me? So these are just things to think about as, as, as we look in that we were looking at last week. Uh, some others, you went for rededication. We had in our bulletin today what some of the things I was saying about rededication, and, and I wanted you to see that. To rededicate your life. And there are those that have broken those promises that you just need to say, Lord, I'm going to rededicate myself to those promises. I don't know what promises are you've made. Chances are almost everybody around you doesn't know what promises you've made to the Lord. But God knows. God knows. So you go back and you keep those things. And some have thought of doing it, but yet you've not gone back. But you say, well, you know what? There's a reason I'm not going back to those things. The reason I don't go back is because, boy, I made that decision. I started out, 
things went wrong and I quit. I've done that on other things, started out and quit. And it just doesn't seem to last. I, I try my best and things go wrong. Yeah, as we said, Satan will attack. The fight is on. But you also need to understand this. It sounds like when you say that, you were trying to carry it out in your own strength, and you can't. I can't carry out a thing for the Lord in my strength. But I do know this beyond any shadow of the doubt, because the Word of God says it. The Word of God is never wrong. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. But it's got to be through Christ. Not to build my name. Not to build popularity. Not to do something that everybody else is doing. But rather all for Jesus. All for Him. And so, you've got to keep it in mind. It's got to be right there. Don't ever forsake it. That what you do, when things go wrong, get on your knees and ask the Lord for more power and strength and just decide, I'm keeping to it, I'm sticking to it, I'm not going to go back. You make a decision for Christ. You're absolutely sincere. You're serious. You're making that decision. Now, you're finding that Satan's attacks the fight is on. So many things are happening. Don't quit. Don't quit. Satan is going to fight you all the way. Now remember, you want nothing that's going to bring your life to a point Of losing the power of God. You see, every one of us have something that's special to us. Your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, parents. And then maybe something that you have in this life, a responsibility you have in your life, and, and all of a sudden things seem to not be it. And, and yet you know that, okay, I'm, I'm called to be a mechanic. I'm called to do this. I'm called to do that. And you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it. But then seem, things don't seem right. Seems like problems are coming up. Satan attacks. He wants to discourage you. You've got to keep on the firing line. Just remember, you give up on the Lord. When that loved one is sick, they're in the hospital and you begin to pray, and you don't have power with God because you're not allowing the power of God to govern your own life. You've got not the power in line. Don't expect God to uh, answer your prayer for that loved one, regardless of how sincere you are about that loved one. Until you get your own right, heart right, and you make the things right that you haven't made right. So again, Stay true to the Word. Stay true to God. Be in God's house. Be faithful in the things that are right. God forgives. God forgives. He forgives you. 
That's why it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will do that. But sometimes you've got to make things right not only with God, but with others as well. You know, so a lot of times I've found that there are things that go wrong in a peop people's lives. And it's because they're saying, I'm going to church. I'm teaching a Sunday school class. I'm singing in a choir. Or I'm inviting others. Sometimes I give others an invitation to come to our church, give them a track and things like that. And, and so I'm all right. So that thing doesn't matter that's in my life. But don't forget, if you're saved, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, and God does care. And he knows there is not one thing in your life, not anything in your life, that God doesn't see. A man maybe killed somebody 30 years ago. He says, well, we got mad at each other, we fought, and I killed him. Law didn't find out. Someone else robbed a place that didn't get caught and find out. Now, do we expect that Christian to come forward and say, yes, I need to get this right. I, I did this. I did this back 20 years ago, whatever. I did this. I did it a month ago, for that matter. But I did this. Should they get it right? Well, wait, boy, you know, there might be a consequence for killing somebody. Uh, there might be a consequence for stealing that money. And they may want to bring these hard charges against you. Yeah. But what are we willing to do for the Lord? Now, we're so quick. I, you know, I appreciate it today our, in our Sunday school class um, Brother Lewis Woodard was teaching from 1 Peter, and I liked what he pointed out there. There was a, uh, the verse talked about murderers. And boy, it listed some terrible, rotten sins. But guess what was on the same level as murderers and evildoers and those things? Busybodies and other men's matters. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor. I don't know that I can contemplate, I can't grasp it in my mind that being a busybody is as bad as a murderer, somebody murders people. But God's mind it is. And guess what, who's the judge? God says it's evil, it's filthy. So what do you do if you're a busybody in other men's matters? What do you do? If you're a tailbearer going around just telling things about others, they say, well, that's true what I say. Yeah, so why are you saying it? Because you want to injure their reputation. You want to injure what they're doing, their ministry, whatever. God calls you an abomination to him. Now, I know this is directed at Christians, but it's the word of God. Uh, you don't avoid, we don't avoid, and I should never avoid preaching the Word of God because it may offend some Christian. 
God's word is God's word and is given to us to preach. And so what do you do when you're uh, that talebearer, when you're that busy uh, body in other men's matters or whatever the sin may be? I've had in the ministry, uh, I've had it with senior citizens. I've had it with young couples. I've had it with middle-aged couples. One cheated on the other. Didn't find out for about 30 years. When they made it right, boy, they went through all the anger, the other one, and so forth. But they got it right, and I've seen some of those that died. They had it right with each other. But first, they had to go through forgiveness. You see, when you get something right with God, and you've got to apologize to someone, understand Satan is going to try to use their anger to bring you down. Now, when you get things right, guess what? They're a Christian, they're saved. Now, they've really got to lean on the Lord and do the forgiveness because no person, you will not forgive anyone more than God has forgiven you, no matter who you are. You will never forgive someone else more than God has forgiven you. So what makes you so much better than God that you're not going to forgive someone that will come to you asking you to forgive them? Especially someone that has part of their life in you and you have your life in them. Listen to these verses. In Proverbs, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verse 5, it says, and I've shared this with you many times before, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light. Now that time for Christians is at the judgment seat of Christ. I believe at the great white throne judgment, the unsaved that thought, well, okay, I'm in hell, but at least I won't have that known. Oh, yeah. I think at the white throne judgment, that'll come out. But it says here, because the, the books are open. All the books are open. Not just the book of life, but the books where all those things are written therein. And it's recorded in God's Word. It's recorded in heaven. They have it. He bring to light the hidden things of darkness. All those things that, ah, boy, I'm never going to tell them about that. Boy, they're never going to find out about that, what I did to them. Oh, this is not going to, oh, no, that's never going to happen. That's not going to find out. I wonder, man, I'm going to die with it. Yeah, you're going to die with it. And then when you're in heaven, it's going to be revealed. And your family, your children, your, your parents, your, your spouse, everybody will see it that are in heaven. The hidden things of darkness. Those that you sinned against. Now, look. There was a group several years ago that were talking about confessing sin. And they said, okay, you've got to confess it. Everything that's a sin. So uh, a guy looked at a girl and had a lustful thought. Well, you're supposed to go and tell her, I had some lustful thoughts about you. That is the stupidest thing. Sins in the mind need to get right with God because God's seen it all. But when you've sinned against someone like we said tail-bearing and things like that, then you need to get right with that person. Maybe we mentioned a thief. They were stealing with someone else. They need to get in touch with that other thief and just say, look, I did this. I got it right with God. I'm going to confess. You need to get right with God, too, on this. You need to be saved. 
You see, now these are hard things that I'm saying right now. I know that to some folks. But it's absolutely, within God's word, absolutely right. So he says, Wherefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Then shall every man have praise of God. (laughs) I know I've told you this as well. It's hard for me to contemplate after the hidden things of darkness and the counsels of the heart have been made manifest that we'll have praise of God. But then you'll understand just how great the grace and forgiveness and mercy of God is. It's great. And we will see it then in Mark chapter 4, verse 22. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus has just talked about not hiding your, your light on a candle. Jesus is the light of the world. He says, for there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. Again, to the saved, I think that's going to happen to a lot of them at the judgment seat of Christ that doesn't get it right here. And then you've got Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Get them straight here on earth while you're still walking on the face of this earth, and that won't happen in heaven. But if you don't get it right with God, and you don't get it right with the people that you need to get it right with, then my friend, it's going to be exposed. And you say, preacher, you don't understand. If I go to them and tell them and say this to them, you don't understand what's going to happen. Yeah, but you don't understand that being ashamed at his appearing is going to be far worse than any shame that you have here. Get things right with God and then get them right with others against whom you've sinned, against whom you've been in sin with. Get it right. Let them know that you are standing for Jesus Christ. You're going to be a light in this world. 1 John 1, 9, again, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, there's, there, there is four different passages I gave you that are per, per, just, well, addressing the same thing that I've been saying here. Is this my opinion? I hold the opinion, but it's God's opinion. And it's more than God's opinion, it's God's word, so it's God's truth, it's actually right. It's up to you to decide what you want to do with that. He's not going to force it. Now I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Now I see that my time is really up, so I didn't even have a chance to get to there, that's all right. I'm going to look at verses 17 through 25. But it's right along that line, having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God. Alienated from the life of God? Through the ignorance that is in them because they, because of the blindness of their heart. You figured you knew better than God and you tried to hide it. It's not going to work. Let me just say this in closing. I grew up 
a Green Bay Packer fan. Now, get upset with me if you're not a Green Bay Packer fan. We had some folks maybe from Minnesota. I'm liable to be uh, shot at for work <laughs> services over. But actually, I grew up, but two years ago, their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, made a statement. He can't believe that a good God would condemn anybody to a place called hell, like Lake of Fire. He wouldn't be good, he wouldn't be God if he did that. I mean, he really attacked God. That's when I stopped being a follower of them. If you attack my God, you're attacking me. Now, I'm saying that to say this. I read one time where he grew up in a Christian home. His parents are heartbroken over the sin in his life, the path that he has taken. But I can tell you beyond any shadow of the doubt, God has a hell that was created for the devil and his angels. But people go to there because they reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, you know, I'm doing the best I can. No, see, he's God. He made the heaven and the earth. Your very human spirit comes from God. But you have a free will and a free choice. But God sets the conditions for salvation. It was, well, I got baptized. Well, you know, I was at a camp and they said, say this prayer. And I said that prayer and they said, I'd be all right, I'd be saved, I'm going to heaven. But really, you don't say a prayer like it's magic words. Okay, I'm fine. You don't join a church. You don't get baptized. That means you're going to heaven. No, going to heaven says, I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. My good works won't save me. For there is none righteous. No, not one, Romans chapter 3 tells us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. We are compared to Jesus Christ. You don't measure up to Christ. If you're going to make it on your own, you not only have to be able to measure up to say, I am equal with Christ, I'm just as good, if not better than He is, then you go ahead and die for your sin and then make yourself resurrect up from the grave and give yourself a new body and make it eternal. If you can't do that, you need a Savior. And my friend, you can't do that, so you need Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sins. Wherefore, by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You know, all have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. That's final, complete, separation forever from God in the lake of fire. Other words, your spirit will leave this body when you die physically and will go to hell. Your spirit will be in a body that is able to feel pain of flame the torture of the tortures of hell is so bad that at Gennesaret and Gadarene 
that they did not want to leave. That legion of angels didn't want to leave that man they filled because they said, don't send us there before the time. Let us go into swine. But don't send us there before the time. Hell's a reality. For the wages, what we've earned of sin, we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God, is death. Final separation, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire where there's no escape, where there's no ceasing to exist. But the gift, not what we've earned, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And by the way, I'm not going to be in heaven by this body, in this body. I'm going to be in heaven in a, in a body that's fashioned like into his glorious body. For he's going to do something with this old vile body and place me in a body likened to his glorious body. Not because I deserve it, but because Christ died for my sin and he was buried and he three days later bodily rose from the dead. Therefore, I received him into my heart and life as my God and my Lord, my Savior. I did that. He said, for whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says, that, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In other words, believing, I'm relying on, I'm trusting him to take me to heaven. But now he's my Lord. Bible likens it to marriage. He's the head of the whole. And I'm giving him my life. In return, he's given me everlasting life. He's saving my soul. Now, we have a lot of problems in this country. We're disturbed about all the sin and the evil, the things that you think with, with abortion, you, you see they can't even figure out if a person's a boy or a girl. I don't know where they got that at. Certainly not science. They have homosexual marriage. That's not biblical. None of that is right. But that tells us those people need to be saved. But if we're not willing to have our hearts right as Christians, those people aren't going to be saved. Because they're not going to have a gospel witness with the power of God on their lives. So folks, make sure you're saved. I'm not saying, are you doing the best you can? Oh, you've not done some of those bad things like others have done? No, I'm saying, was there a day you realized that you were a sinner headed for hell? And believing that Jesus did, in fact, like he said, and he doesn't lie, paid the penalty for your sin in full. He was buried and rose bodily from the dead. And you'll receive him into your heart and life, and he'll, he'll come in. You call upon him, he'll save you. For with the heart, your life, your life, the heart, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That is, the righteousness of Christ fully satisfied the Father. Therefore, as Ephesians 1, 6 says, I am accepted in the beloved that is in Christ. I'm accepted before God in heaven. You see? And so, if you'll receive him, he's the head. You give him your life. He'll save you. I'm not talking about this lordship, salvation, some preach. Well, I messed up. He messed up. He must not have got really saved. Must not have really gave his life to the Lord. 
You read about how Peter messed up. You read about how Paul in Romans 7 says, I'm the chief of sinners. I, the good I would do, I end up not doing it. The bad that I do, I, I, I wouldn't do, I end up doing it. The good that I would, I end up not doing it. Oh, wretched man that I am. He's saying that after he's saved. Yes, we sin. That's why we confess our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the first thing is that you get saved so that you can come to him as your child, as his child, and not as a sinner that needs to get saved. And let him lead you, let him guide you. Are you sure you're saved? Do you know that if you died today that heaven's your home? Then why not make sure today? Let's bow our heads, please.